Well, we welcome everyone this morning. It's good to see you. And again, uh, we welcome our visitors. We appreciate that you're among us. We look forward to being able to get better acquainted afterward and pray for you safe journeys as you continue on your way. It's good to see that uh, some who've been ill are able to be back out. And uh, unfortunately, some who are still uh, who are sick who've been able to be here uh, very recently. So such is life. Uh, we want to uh, continue to pray for those who are struggling and those who have health concerns and thank God that some have improved and uh, we continue to thank Him for every good blessing. Looks like a beautiful day outside and hope that uh, you'll be able to enjoy some of that as we uh, leave here. But at the moment, let's enjoy our study and worship of God together as we praise His name in song and as we now turn our attention to His Word that uh, teaches us about the sacrifices of Jesus. This is a passage that in fact came up in our study this morning in class. It comes up regularly and, and uh, uh, it, importantly so because uh, he, Peter speaks to Christ being our example. But uh, as he does that, he's, he sets the scene here about the sacrifices of Christ by saying fundamentally... He made those sacrifices and endured those griefs because of conscience toward God. You see that in verse 19. As he says, this is what Jesus did Himself. Because of conscience toward God, He endured, uh, though reviled, though threatened, though put to death. And so in the same way, if for conscience toward God we will endure grief, suffering wrongfully, then uh, that's commendable to God. Now, if we simply suffer because it's what is due, then that's, there's no, no spiritual benefit or credit to that. Uh, we've simply received what we were due. But, but Christ did not receive what He was due. He suffered for us. And so, His example was about us, for us. And so when we, for conscience sake toward God, accept suffering wrongfully, uh, it is for Him. Peter makes the clear contrast or comparison between Jesus and His sacrifice and, and ours. And in fact, the sacrifices of Jesus, a sacrifice of Jesus is really a series of sacrifices. We, we kind of lump them all together and talk about the cross, and talk about the sacrifice of Jesus, but He really sacrificed uh, any number of things, three of which we're going to focus on in our study this morning. But before we do that, just to lay the groundwork, look what that requires. To have the faith to sacrifice requires that we have respectful submission to the One whose authority is over us. Verse 18, Servants, or slaves in that day, they were bond servants. Be submissive to your masters with all fear. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. So with all respect or reverence, there is to be a submission that is respectful to be able to accomplish being commendable in the sight of God. To have a conscience toward God this bondservant, this slave who's being mistreated and being mistreated wrongfully uh, is to nevertheless respectfully submit to the authority he was under. 
we really, we, we think about it and meditate upon it a little bit, we really are not going to sacrifice much uh, when we don't have a respectful submission toward the one for whom and according to whom's will we sacrifice. Uh, it, 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 without that, it's not going to occur. Uh, not for very long. And so Peter is teaching them, you want to follow the example of Jesus? Then have respectful submission to authority. Jesus submitted to authority. Now, remember He said to Pilate, you would have no authority except it's been given you from above. But Jesus, regarding that fact, yielded to it even when it was wrong in the putting of Himself to death. Putting, uh, of them putting Him to death. Respectful. So if we're going to sacrifice, we have to respect and submit to authority. And we have to have patient endurance. That's what verses 19 and 20 says. As He, he notes, you take it patiently. You endure grief. You take it patiently. That's where the commendation or God's approval or acceptance comes from. So we just don't sacrifice and yield to such things without a patient attitude. We can't do it. We can't, if we don't endure, we won't sacrifice. It just won't happen. Thirdly, we have to be willing to suffer for doing good. You see, we have to do the good and accept the reality that for doing good, suffering may come. And yet, we're willing to accept that. Jesus was willing to accept the suffering for doing good. So do we. But we have to have the faith that by doing the good, even when the suffering comes, God commends us. God accepts us. That's a, we do it for conscience toward God. You see. And fourthly, we have to commit ourselves to God. Verse 24. He said, like Jesus did, uh, I'm sorry, that should be verse 23. He, who, he committed Himself to Him who judges righteously. Okay. So, so committing ourselves, He committed Himself to the Father, to God who judges righteously. So to, to have the faith to sacrifice, to have a good conscience toward God, to be acceptable before God, we, we simply hand ourselves over to His will. Jesus handed Himself over to God's will, to the Father's will. Not my will, but Thine be done. It takes faith to sacrifice. To follow the example of Jesus, we have to have these same qualities to accomplish that. And to accept the sacrifice. Do we, do we even view our life as a Christian as a sacrifice? We should. Romans 12 and verse 1, we're to be living sacrifices offered up to God. Now, while we, are an offer, we give our lives as an offering up to God, when we, as we do that, then there are sacrifices that we must make. And that's what we want to look at from Jesus' point of view and then how that applies to us. And to see that, you see, Jesus, as He becomes our example in this, these ways, then let's note the first example. He sacrificed heaven's glory. He sacrificed the glory of heaven to die for you and me, to suffer for us, leaving us an example to follow His steps. And by the way, lest we overlook it, verse 21 says, to this you were called. We've been called to, to this 
point. We want, we want God's commendation, we want God's approval, then because of conscience toward God, we, we must develop the faith that will yield and patiently endure and willingly do what is good and accept the consequence of suffering because we commit ourselves to God. Jesus sacrificed the glory of heaven to accomplish that. Philippians 2, 5-8 is a verse that helps explain that to us. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. We must open our minds to this mind. Let it be in you. That is, concentrate on developing this heart, this mind. Well, which one? Well, who being in the form of God did not count it or consider it robbery to be equal with God. To be in the form or fashion is His external appearance. That's the, the appearance that strikes the eye is His idea. When you look at Him in His eternal, uh, in His form of God is what He's describing. Verse 6, he, didn't, he did not think that was something to seize, to, that is to cling to. He was, he was equal with God. He shared the glory of deity. That's his concept there. But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. So he sacrificed the glory of his appearance in heaven. He became a man. He, he sacrificed, he gave up, he made himself of no reputation. And he became a servant of God as a man. He took the likeness of men. There's his submission. He became, he put himself under the Father. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to the point of becoming obedient to the point of death. Yes, the death of the cross. Now, the sacrifice of Jesus did not sacrifice being God, being deity. No. The sacrifice of Jesus as He left up, left all of the glory of deity and He became human as well. So He is God with us. He is deity with us. This is amplified in John 17 and verse 5. I think John 17, 5 is, is a, a commentary on what Paul says in Philippians 2. He said, the Father, Jesus in His prayer said, Now, O Father, glorify Me together with Yourself, with the glory which I had with You before the world was. Jesus had glory with the Father before the world existed. And now, as He is about to go to the cross and, and accomplish the finality of, of this redemptive work, He says, glorify Me. I had it with You, but I emptied Myself of it. Now give now. Glorify me in the in the work that I've I've accomplished. Look at Isaiah six, one through five. Remember when Isaiah saw the glory of God, saw saw the vision of God in His glory in Isaiah the sixth chapter. Uh, he he sees. He said, "I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. And there stood around and seraphim." And they had six wings, and two, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. So here are these, here are these uh, uh, creatures in, uh, that are attending the throne of God. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. 
The whole world is full of His glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of Him who cried out. And the house is filled with smoke. So I said, that is Isaiah said, Woe is me, I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now, we read that because in John the 12th chapter, John... John's record gives us something uh, very interesting about this concerning Jesus. In John 12, he quotes from Isaiah 6, a few verses later, in in 39 and 40, he said, Therefore they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, He's blinded their eyes, hardened their hearts, and so forth. Now, come down to verse 41. These things Isaiah said when he saw His glory and spoke of Him. Isaiah saw the glory of who? He saw the glory of Jesus. That's who he's talking about here. Back up, if you have any doubt of that, back up to verse 37. Although he had done so many signs among them, yet they did not believe in him. He's talking about Jesus. Isaiah prophesied of Jesus. And he prophesied about the hard hearts of those who would, who would listen to Jesus. Because he saw, and yet he said, This is Isaiah who saw his glory. Now, we've taken some time there to refresh our memory on this reality. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross didn't occur except first he sacrificed divine glory, he left the throne room of God that He had and the glory of it for eternity. The seraphim attending Him, all of, the, all of the angelic host, all of the created beings that fall down and worship, He leaves that glory. He leaves that honor. He leaves that majesty to come and be a slave, a bondservant, if you will, a servant of God and then to, as a, he became a man. He, he, he lowers himself to become a man, and more than that, then to die on a cross. There was a glimpse of that glory, you remember, on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter called it the Holy Mountain. We saw His majesty. That's what He left. When He shined as bright as the sun, His garments were as bright as the sun, that was a glimpse of the glory that He left. That he sacrificed, he gave up in order to accomplish our redemption. Now, if we let that soak in and we let that really begin to develop and shape and mold an understanding of the mind of Christ, he says that's the mind you and I are to have. What mind would it take to do that, to leave that? It just, just occurs to me that. There's a fellow down in Venezuela right now who won't leave power, right? He won't leave what? I guess he thinks he has glory. You know, he's got his military and the, the Venezuela dictator. He, he didn't want to leave what he had there and the glory and honor of it. I don't know what's going to turn out of that. He didn't have the mind, he didn't have the mind of Christ, does he? That's for sure. Amen. Think about the mind it took to leave heaven's glory. We don't see many rulers of this earth who willingly lay down that glory just, just, just to become 
to become a peasant. I think about think about the King of England or the Queen of England at their height, Queen Victoria. She's going. I'm going to give all that glory up, and I'm just going to. Uh, I'm going to. I'm going to be a peasant out there in in London in the 1840s. Could you imagine? Not a very pleasant place if you. <laughs> in a lot of that. But when we think of Jesus, we 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 can we can just kind of. I don't know. We begin to kind of casually stride over and stride past the sacrifice without pausing and remembering just what it is he did, just the sacrifice that he made. Now, he did this for you and me, and he did it for conscience toward God because he was so fully committed to the Father to accomplish. His purposes, it was His will as well as the Father's, and and so He gives it up. He gives up that glory. That's humility. Really, Philippians 2.5 is talking about the humble heart. That's humility as He obeyed the Father's will. And that's what He expects of us. You see, we didn't read... Let's go back to John 12. I wanted to tie that in because you see, right after describing... The glory that Isaiah saw. He said, Isaiah saw his glory. He connects Jesus to the divine glory in Isaiah 6, to the majesty, to the Lord Himself. Nevertheless, even that, he said, even when they saw his works, they wouldn't believe. Even though Isaiah spoke of His glory, they refused to accept Him. It says, even among the rulers, many believed on Him, but because the Pharisees, they didn't confess Him. They didn't have a saving faith. They believed, but they didn't confess Him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Why? They loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. They loved the glory have glory among men. Jesus gave up the glory in, as God to save us. Are we willing to sacrifice glory among men to be saved? See, that, that's what they refused to do. In John 17, verse 1, Jesus spoke these words, lifting up His eyes to heaven, saying, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son, that Your Son may also glorify You. We, want to, we need to want to glorify God. If we're going to glorify God, honor Him, then like Jesus, we need to fulfill His work, the work that He gives us to do. Verse 4 said, Jesus said, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work you've given me to do. Well, now, are we finishing the work God's given us to do? You know He's given us work, hasn't He? He's given us work as husbands, He's given us work as wives. As parents and children, He's given us work as evangelists and pastors and teachers and members of the flock of His family. He's given us work to do as a neighbor. Now, what sacrifice are we making to accomplish that work? Are we sacrificing? Philippians 2.8, Jesus sacrificed heaven's glory and then He became obedient to the point of death. So how, to what point are we obedient? Might be the good parallel for us. Since Jesus set an example for us to follow, He was called to die for the sins of the world. We've been called. 
to follow His steps. So, to what point are we obedient? He was obedient to the point of death on the cross. So, are we obedient to the point of living every day for Him? And as we studied in our and good comments in our class this morning were made about how we do that, how we implement the trait of love into our hearts and lives in the home uh, and in every aspect of our lives so that we bring God's commandments into our hearts and by then living those, we, we begin to embody this trait of sacrifice, of a living sacrifice offered to God and a giving up of whatever we must give up in order to accomplish that. You see, Jesus had to give up heaven's glory to die on the cross. So, will we give up the glory of men? Some wouldn't. John 12. Some of them, they just wouldn't do it. They just, they just could not square following Jesus with the relationships they wanted with men. And the, and the, the accolade the acknowledgement they wanted from the people around them. We've got to be willing to give that up if we're going to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Number two, Jesus sacrificed earth's comfort. In 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9, the Apostle refers to this idea when he said, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that, that though He was rich, yet, you, yet for your sakes He became poor, that you through His poverty might become rich. We talked about the richness, the glories of heaven. He was rich, and yet He impoverished Himself. He gave that up. He became poor so we could be rich in salvation. Jesus, the life that He chose to live was not in the, the fineries of a palace. It was a difficult life, a demanding life. It was a, a life that depended on, on others. Of course, you, as we think about the life of Jesus, the early years of, of His... He was born in a, in, in a, put in a manger, born in a stable, um, taken in by His parents into Egypt because, the, because Herod was... Killing the babies. In the early years, you say, well, he wouldn't have any memory of that as a child. No, but, but his, he lived through it. And he would be told of it by his parents. He was a carpenter eventually. Mark 6 and verse 3 is identified as the carpenter. Well, he was a carpenter by trade, an honest trade, but it didn't enrich anybody. It was a humble trade. He's. He's making farm tools and implements and, and uh, all the, the things that, uh, you know, carpentry of, that uh, would be necessary for, for the home and, and such. So, uh, domestic uh, work, uh, for work agriculturally, all the aspects of carpentry, uh, he had his hand in. Honest trade, but it, it was a difficult life, you know, make, making ends meet. But then he began preaching. And when he began preaching, it was said on one occasion, he said on one occasion, the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head. He moved from place to place, itinerant, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, 
But he didn't live in a fine house. He didn't live in, in all the, the niceties of the day. His relatives thought he was mad. Mark 3.21 John 7.5 Even his brothers did not believe in him. So, you know, his family, he didn't get any support from his family. Of course, he said, my brothers and mothers and sisters are those who do the will of the Father, do the will of God. Matthew 12. You see, the thing is, and by the way, his life was on earth was sustained by others. You know, when you say he humbled himself, he humbled himself to be sustained by the contributions of other people. Now, Luke eight, one through Luke eight one through three describes that. But but that was part of the life he lived from place to place is uh, the good the good wishes of others. It came to pass afterward he went through every city. He's preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him and named some of the women who were with him. And it says many others who provided for him from their substance. So so. He was being sustained by others. I mean, he did not live an easy life here on earth. Now, the world kind of, you know, we kind of we kind of measure success on, on a comfortable life. If we live comfortably, we've succeeded. Well, Jesus didn't live very comfortably, and, and, and of course, his 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 disciples didn't either, apostles didn't either for that matter, but uh, what I'm suggesting here is Christians, sometimes we have to suffer comfort or sacrifice comfort in order to follow Jesus. Now, there's nothing wrong with a comfortable house. I'm not saying that, obviously, but, but unless we're making the sacrifice of priority of the Lord, then we become like the people in Luke 9 or we become like the man in Luke 12 who... who Thought his life consisted in abundance of the things that he possessed and, and made life about all those things. We can't make life all about all those things. And when we do not make life about all those things, sometimes there are sacrifices that are made that demonstrate we don't make life about all those things. Look at Luke 9, 57. We, uh, it happened as they journeyed on the road, someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And he said to him, Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no, nowhere to lay his head. So, so, here's a man who says, I'll follow you. I will submit to you. And, and Jesus says, understand that there's sacrifice to be involved, that will be involved. You'll have to sacrifice to do that. He said to another, follow me. And he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. Jesus teaches the man, there's a priority when you say, when you say let, me, let me first do something else. You're suggesting that there's something that's more important than following me. See, brother, we live a priority. If we're going to follow Jesus, sometimes we sacrifice comfort to follow Jesus. Sometimes we sacrifice a full night's sleep to follow Jesus. Sometimes we sacrifice 
our, our energy level uh, or whatever. We may deprive ourselves of other things in the flesh to follow Jesus. But, but if following Jesus has no sacrifice, then are we truly walking in His steps? So, so he says there's a priority issue. Is it, is it that I think about worship in terms of I'll assemble with the saints if I can, if I can make it? If I can make it, I'll, I'll worship God. That's not a sacrificial attitude, is it? Really not. No, the, the, we decide to, to make what is important to us. We decide to make it on time to work. You know, we decide to make it on time to the movie we want to watch. But I'll try to make it to worship. Why is that? If not that we have even perhaps subconsciously established a set of priorities and, and we have conditioned ourselves to think that, that I don't really have to sacrifice much to be able to worship. I, don't, I know we didn't get that from the Bible. I know that. Didn't we get that from the world? You see, Jesus taught about having faith in God providing. Jesus said, lay up treasure in heaven. He said, don't be anxious what you'll eat, drink, put on. Matthew 6. That is, don't have a distracting care. Don't be distracted from seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. There's the priority. There's the sacrifice. Uh, we've, got to, we've got to trust that God will provide. Now, that doesn't mean we sit back and do nothing. God expects us to work. God expects us to meet our responsibilities in that area. To be active and involved. And by the way, to, to, to work means you sacrifice something else. You're making sacrifices when you labor. When you meet your responsibilities as a worker. There's an element of sacrifice being made. See, the point, my point is, see, the Bible talks over and over again really about the sacrifice that we must make to be true to God. Hebrews 11, Moses sacrificed. He, he, he denied the pleasures of, 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 uh, of um, Egypt. Hebrews 11, 24 and 25, in order to be pleasing to God and to live by faith. It said by faith. It says he. Uh, let's see, chapter eleven. Excuse me. Uh, by faith, Moses, when he was became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, enjoying the uh, rather than enjoying the the passing pleasures of sin. He could have he could have been called Pharaoh's daughter, that, uh, son of Pharaoh's daughter. He could have accepted that life. But he chose a different path. He chose to suffer affliction with God's people. Because to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter would have been choosing a life of the pleasures of sin. No, he said, no, I'm going I'm to accept the sacrificial life, suffer affliction, so that I can be with God and the people of God. You see, that, that's what you know, the apostles... You want a case study in, in sacrificing the comforts of the earth to follow God, the apostles, um, or that case study. 1 Corinthians 4, beginning in verse 
uh, verse 8, Paul kind of, I think somewhat facetiously here, is, is to make his point, he said, you are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. And indeed, I could wish that you did reign, but you also might reign with us. See, their, their, their perspective there was wrong. They were, they were exalting themselves above each other. And, and he said, no, you, that's not correct. He says, I think God has displayed us, the apostles, last. As men condemned to death. Remember Jesus said, He that humbles Himself will be exalted. That's what the apostles did. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both of angels and men. We are fools for Christ, but you're wise in Christ. He's making, he's making a, really a facetious or sarcastic contrast to get them to, to, to see the point. They don't need to stop elevating themselves above each other. He says, we're weak, but you're strong. Yeah. You're distinguished, but we're dishonored. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst, are poorly clothed, are beaten, homeless. We labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we endure, being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the earth, the offscouring of all things until now. Now, imagine people like that today with a message that they bring to us. Are we going to follow it? Are we going to listen to it? Are we going to out of hand reject it? Because that's just, that's not going to be comfortable. Well, we need to listen to the message of truth, don't we? We need to set the priority of of, of sacrifice. We need to sacrifice for the church, for each other. Jesus did. He gave himself for the church. Ephesians 5:25. We need to sacrifice for the church. You know, there are things and you know whether it's it's uh, servicing sacrifice of taking care of a property here maybe it's mowing maybe it's cleaning you know our sister Linda makes a lot of sacrifice taking care of this building she does an excellent job by the way thank you Linda you see whatever it may be just a cup of cold water may be the sacrifice we need to make Brethren, if we're going to follow the examples of Jesus, then, then we have to understand that sometimes we must get out of, our, out of our comfort zone to put God first and to do His will first. Well, thirdly here, Jesus sacrificed human justice. We won't spend time, our time's about up here, so we're not going to read all that text. But Isaiah 53, you're familiar with. Isaiah prophesied the unjust treatment of the Messiah. We esteemed Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. We didn't hold Him in regard. We didn't honor Him. We didn't glorify Him. He was severely treated unjustly. Severe injustices leading up to the cross. And not just by the Jews, by the Gentiles also. He came to His own. and He came to the creation. And the creation didn't accept Him. He came to His own and they refused Him. John 1, 10 and 11. Of course, all of the things surrounding and bringing him up to, to Calvary, the arrests, the betrayal, the arrests, the trials, the scourging, crucifixion, execution. His, humili- His justice was taken away, Isaiah said, 
And it's quoted in Acts 8, 32 and 33. Jesus' justice was taken, was removed from the earth. He was treated so unfairly, so unjustly. He was hated without a cause. Hated without a cause. John 15, 25. Now, as we contemplate that it was hum- that justice was denied here on earth, the application becomes apparent for us. Our justice here on earth may be denied. Christians are going to have to sacrifice justice among men and men's approval and, and so at times dignity among men. Jesus was not dig- didn't, they didn't they saw nothing dignified in Jesus. Look at First Peter the third chapter as we, we make this point before we close. First Peter three thirteen. Who is he who will harm you if you are followers of what is good? Well, you might say, well, the people that harm the same kind of people that harm Jesus. But go ahead and read a little further. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake. See, when he's talking about who's going to harm you, he's 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 going beyond the issue of the flesh because he says, even if you do suffer and you do have some harm, you're blessed. Here's a, here's a willingness to sacrifice, to have a harm, but He says, you'll be blessed. And so don't be afraid of their threats or trouble, but sanctifying your hearts, Christ says, Lord, being ready always to give an answer to Him who asks you a reason for the hope that's in you, yet with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience, there's that conscience again, conscience toward God, that when they defame you as evildoers, they may revile who, and revile your good conduct in Christ, they may be ashamed For it's better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. See, that takes us right back to chapter 2 and verse 19 and 20. For Christ also suffered once for sin, the just for the unjust. Jesus for you and me. He's the just one. We're the unjust. That He might bring us to God. You see, like Jesus... We have to make sacrifices. The sacrifice of what's fair and just at times to be true to God. To be, have a conscience. You see, sometimes we have to relinquish family approval to be right with God. Matthew 10, 34-37. Sometimes we have to give up friendships because of conscience toward God. They think it's strange that you don't run with them to... To sin, First Peter four four. You see, uh, sometimes he says there may be uh, uh, we're going to have to give up approval of brethren who will not approve us for what is right. Third John nine and ten, Diotrephes who loved to have the preeminence among them refused uh, those who were preaching the truth and and uh, put people out of the church because they didn't conform to him. So you see. Sacrifice, a willingness to suffer. That, to be faithful to God. To stand with the Lord. Take sacrifice. Peter, Paul said, at my first defense, no one stood with me. All forsook me. But the Lord stood by me. And He'll deliver me. You see, the reality is that when we stand with the Lord in this life, we won't always be treated fairly. People of the world's not going to love us. And, and we're going to have to be willing to sacrifice their approval. 
in order to be approved by God. That's what Jesus did. He was willing not to be approved by men, even to the point of death, so that He would have God's approval and save us from our sins. So, in summary, what we're talking about in the sacrifice or sacrifices of Jesus is an expression of complete love. Walk in love as Christ also loved you and gave Himself for you. Ephesians 5th chapter and verse 2. Walk in this love that, that, uh, uh, that He shows us and the sacrifices of it. We have to make every sacrifice for Him that has to be made in order to go to heaven. If any man will come after Me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow Me. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 29-30, if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. If your right hand offends you, cut it off. Extreme repentance. Change of the heart to seek first the kingdom of God, to deny self and follow Him, to make whatever sacrifice we have to make. Jesus surely did. As He sacrificed heaven's glory, as He sacrificed earth's comfort, and He sacrificed justice among men for conscience toward God to save us. And so as we close, I get asked you to get your songbook because we're going to sing the song, phrase of which says, I gave my life for Thee. What hast Thou given for me? It is a call of self-reflection, of self-examination as we reflect upon the great sacrifice of Jesus, the sacrifices He made, that we in turn, like Him, will be true to our calling and walk in His steps. If we can help you accomplish that by becoming a Christian, baptizing you into Jesus upon the hearing of your confession that He is Christ the Son of God, and the repentance of your sin, we urge you to respond to God's call and be saved. We invite you to correct sin as a Christian. If it's public, if you need our prayers, we want to stand ready to help you. And we urge you to come while we stand and sing.